This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. But just have a real honest discussion just on the couch. Say, hey, let's talk about stuff. What are our long-term goals? What are you know our 20-year goals? Where do you want to retire? How do you want to retire? What are we doing as a family? Because that's going to define you in the long run. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today... We're going to be talking about financial planning goals before marriage. I remember when I was dating Nicole, the last thing on my mind was financial planning. Looking back 12 years later, though, I wish I would have thought about it a little bit more. Maybe I wouldn't have paid for her engagement ring with my student loans. (laughs) To help us prepare for a happy and healthy and wealthy marriage, I've invited Lawrence Gonzalez on the show today. Lawrence is the creator of The Neighborhood Finance Guy. This is a website dedicated to promoting financial literacy and providing solutions that foster generational wealth change. As a decorated veteran sergeant of the United States Marine Corps and an auditor for the United States Department of Treasury, Lawrence now has a new and exciting goal ahead of him, which is marriage. He and his fiance are doing some incredible things together to create a strong financial foundation for their future family, and I'm excited to learn from him and share with everyone listening today. Welcome to the show, Lawrence. Hey, what's going on? Great to have you, man. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us and helping us all have a great marriage, whether it's before we're married or even some tips while we're married now. So personally, I wanted to learn from you. When did you start taking care of your finances or when did you think about that as a smart idea personally for yourself? I have to go almost all the way back to 2012. I know 2020 has been a trying year for everybody, but 2012 for me was kind of like the make or break. For everything that was going wrong, it just kept on happening. It was the Murphy's Law scenario. I got out of college. I had $125,000 worth of student loan debt. So that's already there hanging and looming over me. Even though I was paying some of them, it's like there's so many coming in that I missed a few. So that ended up derailing my credit score, brought it all the way down to 515. And at the same time, my, I was always at the, the max of my credit card. It was about $1,000. The worst part came in because I needed to get my teeth fixed or my wisdom teeth pulled out. And my dentist said, how, how will you pay for this? I didn't have real good insurance at the time. And I was like, what's the cheapest option? He's like, local anesthesia. It's just the way that he looked at me. He was like, I don't know if you want to take this option. Then I was like, that's the option. <laughs> like, I used to be in the Marine Corps. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take this. My odds. So I get there and he vice grips all these things around there. And they, if you've ever been in that situation, you know, they pull everything out and they can't pull it out. One, they drill it and they crack it. By the time he was done, I was still filling the second one. Oh my <laughs> I was gosh. still there, but they pulled all four. And shortly after, I think Monday, I went back to work. At that point, I was like, you know, what? I had to do something better with my time. <laughs> something better, completely different with all my money and all my time. 
Wow. So that was not only an emotional pain for you, but a physical pain with your financial situation at that time. Is that right? Yeah. It makes you remember. It really reminds you all the time. Like, yeah, this is this is the struggle. The struggle is this, the pain. Because wow. it went on for a while. So what did you do after that to kind of right your wrongs in your situation? After that, I think shortly, I think I would say like a week or two later, I started getting to mint.com. So I started looking at uh, a lot of my expenses and I started seeing the, the issues and some things you can't really change. Let's say your house that you're we're living in a four bedroom with other roommates. So it's fine. It was cheap enough in Tallahassee. But at the same time, I didn't know how much I was spending on food. Turns out I was spending three hundred and seventy five dollars per month on food by myself on my own. And I was the one cooking for the majority of the guys. <laughs> like it was, it was just the way it was. I was just cooking all the food, but the rest was always going out. So I did their numbers as well. And as the entire household, we were spending $2,400 per month on food. It was an insane amount. So I ran to them. It's like, this is the numbers. These are the numbers. And trying to, it's almost like that one kid, like, Hey, hey, look, look, the sky is falling. And everybody's <laughs> like, you, you there, you calm down. Life is still good. So I went on to kind of prove to them that this is an issue. And I went on to try to understand a little bit more financial literacy so I could help them as well as myself. That's incredible. And that's incredible. And then do you make some progress on the debt over time or how did your progress go from there? From there, I went from negative $125,000 in debt to, I think, well, at least as, as, as of now, as of today, we're almost at $400,000 in, in net worth. Wow. So that's the debt itself. We paid off, at least she paid off all my fiance. She, we helped her pay off all her college loans. They're all gone. They're done. Majority of my undergrads are done, but 90K of which were graduate school. They're still under the public student loan forgiveness plan. So I have an additional five more years. And right now we're not even paying anything on it. And it's all, you know, basically good. But I have another five years and it's going to be all paid off. That's incredible. What progress. Congratulations on that huge move in your life to get from 2012 to 2020 where you are. So talk to us about where you met your fiance along this way. Was it during your financial progress or how did that all happen? It was during the financial process and I actually met her during a Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving situation. So you see, because a lot of people are transplants from other different cities, we actually went to a Friendsgiving and I met her there and she took a liking to me. I didn't even know she was even paying attention, but it turns out she liked me. I was like, okay, cool. So we started hanging out. We started dating and it just came very organically. The topics of finances, did that come up early on in the relationship? How did those start to organically happen? Well, if she followed me, well, she, yeah, a lot of people follow me online, so they'll see that I always talk about finances anyway. So it's not something completely out of there. But I think she was more receptive, at least understanding that, oh, OK, he knows about this and she'll basically be attentive. Even till last night, I think we were just we dragged we went on the topic about the 401ks, about cash drag. And she's like, let me see what that means. So I break it back out. And then we sat there and she said, hey, I want to go change the allocations in my 401k. And right then and there, we do it. So not everybody's very receptive, especially the stuff they don't know anything about. So it's almost like it's all on her. I actually give it credit to all of her. That's incredible. Well, talk to me about that, because I think that's a magical thing you just said there, because some people maybe who listen to the show, they're kind of into money and talking about money and learning more about it. But maybe their partners like get that stuff away from me. So what sort of a language are you speaking to your fiance that kind of brings her along that makes it sound interesting or fun? 
Well, the first thing is you have to talk to each other as a couple, find out what everybody's goals are, what's everybody's long term aspirations and everything that you kind of love to do. I love to travel. She never really traveled before. So she's like, I love to travel, too. I'm like, okay, that's a thing. But she's all she's very big on family and being focused uh, on family and what we're doing, how we're doing. As long as she gets a couple hugs, she's very happy. And it's just a matter of not making money such a big deal, a very nerdy conversation, very into the weeds, into the, the Excel sheets, but something more so attainable to somebody else and says, hey, if we want to save money over here, invest money over there, we could definitely afford to go on the trip next year or something like that. So we're, we're basically playing off of each other or what's important. You start with the important goals that you can both get behind and that are fun and that are exciting. And the travel, it sounds like it's very important to both of you. So that's incredible. Let's talk about the debt situation. Like when you guys came together, you both had some debt, sounds like. How did that topic come together? How did you work together to handle that as a couple? I think the first part is one, because I'm good with numbers. So I was like, let me know what your numbers are. Like, what's the credit card that you have? How much of the interest there? So it's just a very organic, slow process because you can't just like day one become, you know, I guess Inspector Gadget out here <laughs> trying to find all the details. You got to really slow it down and really try to figure out and let them explain to you where they're coming from. She was trying to fix her debt anyways. It was just going to take a little bit longer. So I started to notice that. We pulled our money together, which is the hardest part, right? Some people do not want to put their money together. They don't know the long term. So they're a little bit reticent to actually share that same ground. But we went to our bank, a local bank. We sat there and we and she came on, on my stuff. And then we, we basically have one account. It was probably the hardest thing to do as a millennial because we're so used to being on our own that to have that level of money on one side is a little bit drawing, but we trust each other. We're in, it's very open. There's access all over the board. So everybody's understanding where the money is. And I started to see that over time, we're getting drained. Every once in a while, like uh, personal capital will show you like, hey, you have a fee. I'm like, where does this fee come from? It's like $150 fee on this on the credit card. I'm like, oh, we can't do this ever again. <laughs> this can't happen. <laughs> So I started, you know, at that point, it's like the, the goal was to pay down as much of that credit card as possible to get over these fees, because that 150, even if she wanted to spend it on shoes or shopping or anything, this is just a fee that just went to, to the bank. So uh, explaining that to other people is that's how you get them on board. It's not that we don't want to solve this problem. It's, it's trying to make it tangible enough that it's important to knock out the credit card fees so we can use that money for other reasons. So. We knocked that down, but she wanted to give her mom maybe $100 or $200. But that's possible if we knock down the credit card fees. So that $200 is nothing now because we've already knocked down the problem. Yeah, and it sounds like you guys had made some progress on that credit card debt together as a couple. Yes, we definitely knocked that down for her. And yeah, now we're just building it back up based off the wedding fees. So. Oh, I see. I see. Well, let's talk about the wedding. So you guys have an upcoming wedding. How are you handling the cost associated with that and then managing that together as a couple? I'm handling it poorly. And she told me yes, like <laughs> yesterday, I thought it was, we were like, okay, I was like, hey, we're done, right? We're like, next month is the wedding. Maybe we have another two grand left to pay. I was feeling really good about this. She's like, no, you have an extra 10 grand. I, I, I mildly overreacted. I got really kind of like freaked out for a second. But ultimately, we're just putting in on credit cards that we have with no APR. So that actually helps us out a little bit more. And then we were just paying them down constantly. 
But for me, I was freaking out. But she has an entire spreadsheet of just the wedding costs. If I have the spreadsheet of the family finances, she had the spreadsheet of the wedding costs <laughs> and where everything's coming off from. Got it. So you guys are dividing and conquering when it comes to the finances. Now she's grabbing the spreadsheets and making it come to life, it sounds like. Yeah. That's yeah, she cool. has her own spreadsheet. I'm like, oh, I don't understand this spreadsheet. <laughs> I was just shocked. In my life. Well, let's talk about the investing side of things. You mentioned that you got with her and had some discussions around the 401k. How are you both investing right now to plan for your future? And I guess, why is that important for you too? For us, we're, we're planning to retire in 15 years. So that's just, a, you know, it's not, I won't say super retire early for me, but it's very retire early for her. So she'll be retired by 45. And the goal is to just really get out there, really help out other, you know, basically get into our very own passions, either to be helping out people with their businesses, helping out people in other countries. That's what we want to do. So we want to get out there, invest as much as possible, create that passive income, and then go overseas with it. So for us, that's what we're doing. And to help that out, we started 100% max in our 401ks because that's going to reduce our tax liabilities, our tax, basically helping us out overall. We're getting the max of the, the matching rate because a lot of people leave that matching on the floor. For us, it's, it's about 10 grand per month, per year. I mean, 10 grand per year of matching contribution. Like we cannot leave that just, I don't know where, but we're not going to leave that on the table. And we also max out the IRAs. We max out our HSAs. She actually has a pre-existing condition. She has diabetes type one, but it works like in the, the HSA as well, because now she could use her HSA tax free. And then we could use my HSA almost like a, a super saving medical fund. So it's when we have kids or even the, if the kid goes running and hits himself in the wall, like we have the money to fix the kid. That's incredible. So you guys are planning beforehand with the HSA for future health costs. And we had a discussion with a gentleman about investing in the HSA. Are you guys also investing in the HSA or just saving in the savings account right now? Yes, I tuned into that episode as oh. well. So <laughs> I have, it was actually another good episode. I, I run to the episode. So it's, like, it's what I do. In my HSA, we're investing because her pre-existing condition tends to be a little bit more costly or just the costs just keep coming back or reoccurring. We just keep that a little bit more in the checking side. But for mines, we keep majority of that actually invest in vanguards and target retirement funds or even other emerging market funds. There are not a lot of different options in there, but it's enough to get your money generating and also creating dividend as well. Oh, I think that's great. That's great. And you mentioned net worth when we started our conversation. It sounds like you've made a lot of progress together. Have you guys joined your net worth now? Or are you waiting till marriage? How are you going to do that? He actually did. Once we started joining the bank account, that was kind of like the beginning of the yeah. end. <laughs> this is it. This is we're all in. And we started off in December. So just at the top of January, our net worth was 240. And now our net worth has kicked it all the way up to 400,000. So it's a matter of like a year. And we stayed in the market, even though the downturn was coming, we were kicking out. We stayed dollar cost averaging. We stayed right there and we didn't panic. And that's what ended up happening. The market itself is going to keep churning and you just need to be a little bit more focused on it. And it's going to help out in the long run. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, 
and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. The theme that you've got here, you guys combining your finances. Yes, you're combining the debt, but you're also combining your your incomes and your investing prowess and everything like that. So the progress you're making is twofold because there's two of you now. I feel this theme of like, hey, let's partner together. Let's get where we want to go in the future. What are some big, I guess, marriage goals for you guys in the future? It sounds like traveling's important and also helping other entrepreneurs Talk to us about the short term. What are you guys hoping to do over the next five to 10 years with regard to those goals? Five to 10 years in regards to the goals, I guess it's more personal. It's kind of, I guess after, since we tend to help people anyways, our main focus is go back to traveling because that kind of got halted. But last year we went to 14 countries in 12 days. Wow. Uh, or well, no, 12 countries in 14 days. 12, okay. complete opposite. Yeah, that would be kind of impossible. So, <laughs> But the other one is actually a little bit more doable. That was exciting. That was fresh. That was different. It's a lot of different languages that we had to burrow through. And this was the first time really outside of the U.S. So for her, it was a whole new game plan. But for me, I, I learned I know how to speak French. I kind of could read Spanish. I could read a little bit, a bit of Portuguese and I could kind of look at Italian in the same vein. So it's a little bit the same for me. But for her, it was a shock to her system. But it was an incredible opportunity that we couldn't change for the world. Wow. Was this a European vacation then? It was completely European vacation from Iceland all the way across it. It's probably kind of insane because we went to a lot of different countries, either being Ireland, Scotland, England, France, Netherlands, Belgium, 
Italy, Rome. Well, we we cheat a little bit because Rome is a country. Uh, it's a country, right? Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, the, we the, the Vatican. Yeah, <laughs> we went back to France, and Monaco is a country. So we we had those two together. Then Madrid, Portugal, and then we we're back to Iceland. It was a lot all the way around. What a great adventure to do with your fiance before you're married. Kudos to you guys on planning that and executing it, especially before all of this madness we've had in 2020. So so good on you guys for getting there. Was there any other pre-marriage goals that you guys are working? on together besides you know working on the debt investing planning for the wedding net worth increasing anything like that any other goals you're working on together i think right now the best thing for us to do is just figure out ourselves figure what makes us our, our ourselves happy without necessarily bumping heads you know it's like i think this point is when you really get to know somebody especially in the fiance stage you really now you're 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 locked in so now let's talk about the real issues. Let's set up the real hard discussions. And that really helps out in, in the long run. But I don't think we have something like definitive. We're very fluid. We could purchase a home in 2022 and maybe we purchase it in 2023. But we're very relaxed with it because I already have the I already own a condo. So that's already fine. And I already have a rental property. So we're going to actually, I guess, in December, we're going to spend some time after the wedding to renovate the rental property in Tallahassee. Wow. Okay. So you guys already got the rental properties going. Wow. You guys are a wealth building couple already. I love this. This is great. So somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, you know, I am dating somebody and we're getting a little serious and I'm wondering what kind of questions I should be asking with regard to our finances before getting married. Do you have any suggestions on any questions, any ways to ask the questions too that might be helpful for folks out there? One, I help a lot of different friends of mine, a lot of ladies, especially they, they're the one that more likely would actually reach out to me and ask some questions. And I like to tell them, do not ambush the guy. Like you've had a cut, you maybe have a week or two to actually process this conversation. You have a list of questions and typically it's more conveyed like, well, I have a list. I have a clipboard. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's not really an organic conversation. It's okay to not have the perfect answer. It's okay to not understand all the different details, but just have a real honest discussion just on on the couch. Hey, let's talk about stuff. Let's talk. What are our long term goals? What are our 20 year goals? Where do you want to retire? How do you want to retire? What are we doing as a family? Because that's going to define you in the long run. So it doesn't really matter the money as much more. It matters what you guys see together that that really works. And even some of the things that you guys see apart, because not everything that you will do as a married couple has to be in somewhat lockstep unison, like like we're wearing the same outfit every day. That's not what it is. Maybe she wants to have a small dance studio. Then, hey, let's think about that as a couple. Or maybe he wants to have, I guess, want to have a bike, (laughs) a motorcycle. And maybe that's kind of crazy and weird, but maybe that's just what he likes. And now you have to define that for yourself. Like there's some places that you have to split apart, but really encourage each other because we're all developing as people. So it's not about a defined number as much more. It is a lifestyle you guys want to live and a legacy that you want to live. The legacy part, I'm very interested in in talking about, too. You have this money that you're setting aside in the HSA and the 401k and the IRA. And then you have these like life goals that you're talking about, whether it's travel or the dance studio or whatever. How do you plan those two separately without thinking like, how do we enjoy today, but then also think about tomorrow? Are those discussions that you were having with your fiance a lot? I think she's a little bit super receptive. I had those conversations with other friends completely all the time about what defines your needs versus your wants. And I think somebody said it might have been on your show, might have been another podcast while I was running. But the idea is that if you focus on your needs, your wants will always come. 
versus the opposite way. Some people try to focus on their wants because they feel that it might run out or something like that. But at the end of the day, we went on this trip, but it's just not it's not the end of our trip. It's not the, the last trip that we're ever going to go on. So it's just take your time with everything. Process it through. Focus on what you need to do and the rest will follow. So when you start investing in those 401k, IRAs, HSA, it's going to lower your taxes, either doing your in your paychecks as it comes or even at the end of the year, which is going to give you a little bit of big, bigger refund so you could do the other things that you love to do anyways. So there's always this more that's, that's available to us than we actually think of. So it's a wealth mindset. I love that. Okay, somebody's listening right now and they're like, I love this conversation. I want to start my marriage off on the right financial foot. What is one step they should take following this discussion? One step you should take, probably, I would say go running in the morning or walking, whatever it is. Take a Saturday morning, wake up really early and just go spend time to enjoy. I think part of what we do in the financial literacy space is always talk about the money as if this is, hey, there's an exact number that you need to do right here, right now to ensure that everything works out. Whereas what we need to do on the psychological level is to really connect with our partners connect with them on a higher level of what we want to do and how we want to live. That way you're going to find a joy within what you decide to do as a couple. Because it doesn't matter if you want to retire in five years, 10 years, 30 years. Some people just like to work. So how is that defined in somebody's mind? And we need to start having those longer conversations. That's more normal. So you're normalizing wealth conversation. You're normalizing the, the, the talk about money without all the fear, without all the angst, without all the, all the judgment as well. It's like, hey, is there a number? Nah, there's no number, but is there a spouse that want to stay at home with the kids? Maybe that's really big for the spouses. That works for the entirety of the family. Or maybe both want to go to work. And maybe that's when you bring in grandma every once in a while to actually support or whatever it is. But these ideas get generated through conversation and allow yourself to really become the child again, right? The imaginative child. Thinking about creative ideas every day, every moment. We used to make like forts out of like couches out there all day, every day. And you, you, you can't figure this one out. <laughs> like, Let's figure it out. Let's step it up, guys. I love that you're taking the, the numbers out of the conversation and bringing it back to the goals, bringing it back to the motivation for those goals in the first place. So kudos to you, Lawrence. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and learn more about what's going on in your world? If you want to connect with me, you can find me on IG or even on my website, www.theneighborhoodfinanceguy.com. But IG, I always tend to dive into any kind of comment that I get. I try to expand on these money philosophies that we hear from your, your show and other shows, podcasters, because there's all these very like nuanced understandings. But we need to break it apart and make it really affordable or legible to a lot of different audience. So you want to actually look at that, go through the IG, ask some questions, and I'd love to break out the math. You don't have to do the math yourself. I will do the math for you. I've been following Lawrence on Twitter for a while. I just followed him on IG today, and I look forward to learning more from you, buddy. And thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on. is a huge commitment, so it's important that we prepare and make sure to have fun along the way. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Lawrence Gonzalez. Number one, connect with your partner. Instead of talking about the numbers first, consider talking about your dreams and goals. This connection, as Lawrence said it, is much more important. Make time and make space for this type of conversation 
go for walks, ask questions to learn more about their hopes and dreams. I think you'll be happy you did. Number two, lean on each other's strengths. If you're better with the numbers or you simply care about it more, take a leadership role regarding your financial goals. Your partner may care about it, but maybe not as much as you. And that's okay, right? Surely your partner has other strengths in many other areas that you're going to be leaning on as well. Number three, create some small wins before marriage. Don't worry too much about solving all of your financial issues or completing all of your financial goals before marriage. As long as you're making small incremental improvements to where you eventually want to go as a couple, that is a great start. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick favor. Please join us in our Thriving Families Facebook community. We are over 900 families in there, 900 members, and we're sharing personal wins, we're sharing advice, and we're just helping each other thrive. Every week, we share different wins we've had. Carlos, he shared a really cool bit of good news recently. He said that they paid off one of their cars 11 months earlier than expected. He said, hashtag take action. I love that, man. We're all about taking action here. Way to go, Carlos. That is awesome, awesome news. If you want to get inspired by news like this and share your journey too, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Oscar Wilde. Ultimately, the bond of all companionship, whether in marriage or in friendship, is conversation. Open up, talk, learn about each other, and grow your bond. Carpe diem! 